Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the grand opening of the Deacon's Den. I've wanted to open the doors of this establishment for over 20 years. The idea for the Deacon's Den was born back in the days when I was in formation for the permanent diaconate. Some of us on the long journey toward ordination thought it would be a wonderful idea, once we were ordained, to open a small bar and grill, somewhat akin to the neighborhood pubs you might encounter in the United Kingdom or Ireland, a place where families could stop by for a hearty meal or friends would gather for a favorite beverage and great conversation. We felt that this could be an ideal place for evangelization in which we would always have one or more deacons present to chat with visitors about issues of faith. We hoped it would be a place of inspiration and education. Now, while God may not have called me to fulfill that vision in its physical incarnation, I'm delighted that we can open our virtual doors to all of you through this podcast. And the best news, you never need a reservation, and there will always be a space for you, no matter how popular the Deacon's Den may get. We plan to host a new event at the Den at least once a month, more often if we can manage. And topics for discussion will start with those specifically tuned to helping guests understand the history, nature, reason, and role of permanent deacons in the church and in the world. Now, as we journey together over time, we will be open to where the Holy Spirit leads. Deacons are called to serve in so many areas within the church and outside its walls that this should lead us down many interesting paths. Most episodes will include one or more guests who will help us bring the daily special from the kitchen to the table. In this case, I don't believe too many cooks will spoil the broth. Before I present today's menu, let me briefly introduce myself, not only your host, but your server. I'm Deacon Dave Camus, and I was born in the beautiful city by the bay, San Francisco, California. I was the fifth of six kids in a very Catholic family. Our parish picnics were so traditional that they were held on seminary grounds, and the softball games pitted the Irish Catholics versus the Italian Catholics. While someone with French, Norwegian, Irish, German, Swiss, Italian roots, I generally rooted for whoever was winning. I never thought I'd leave San Francisco, but the dynamic nature of work in the late 20th and early 21st century dictated. I moved from California to Colorado and eventually found myself here in the Sunshine State. My work career has been pretty eclectic, with 20 years of work in Silicon Valley-related industries, a period of running my own consulting practice in change management and corporate education, 10 years working for the Roman Catholic Church, and even four and a half years serving in human resources on board cruise ships. I accepted God's call to become a permanent deacon and was ordained in 2002 in Colorado Springs. Currently, I'm honored and humbled to be the director of permanent deacons for the Diocese of Orlando. I've been married to my amazing wife, Rosie, for 32 years, and we have two adult children, one of each. And for many years, I volunteered as a coach of high school speech and debate teams, and I'm privileged to coach at Bishop Moore High School in Orlando. When not working, I try to maintain balance in my life through exercise, especially running, reading, I love historical fiction, writing, both fiction and nonfiction, attending live theater when I can afford it, after all, I do work for the church, and travel, which is helped by Rosie and I owning a travel agency. Anyway, definitely enough about me. For today's entree, let's start at the very beginning. Who is the deacon in the Roman Catholic Church? Even though the permanent diaconate has been restored for over 50 years, I'm often caught by surprise by the lack of consistent understanding of who a deacon is. 
how the church sees his role, and how living out that role in practice may look. And it's not just the laity in and outside of the church that have those questions. I've encountered some priests and even deacons themselves who don't seem to understand the full vision. So to answer those questions, I brought in a brother deacon and former director of permanent deacons for the Diocese of Orlando, Deacon Joe Gassman. Deacon Joe is currently leading the Bishop's Secretariat for Leadership and Parish Life for the Diocese. And not coincidentally, he's my boss. <laughs> I know who approves my paychecks. If I'm incredibly deferential in this interview today, you'll know why. Welcome, Deacon Joe Gassman. Thank you very much. <laughs> no pressure, right, Joe? Uh, no pressure. <laughs> so, so, Deacon Joe, to get us started, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I was uh, born in western New York, the Buffalo area. Uh, I think the first seven years of my life, we lived in the suburbs in Cheektowaga. We're a lot, yeah, Cheektowaga. <laughs> and it gets better because we moved out into the, the rural area of western New York to the village of Gowanda, very small town. Wasn't, wait, lived wasn't there just a movie about that, you know, <laughs> Gowanda forever? No. <laughs> it, it was very interesting because we lived on top of the hill, <laughs> and so the village was down in the valley. It was a beautiful place to grow up as, as a kid. I mean, I'm, we learned to be outside. And so when I was making decisions as I was going through high school and figuring out what do you want to do with your life, I knew it wasn't going to be in an office. I wanted to be free. So my initial career choice was as a forest ranger. So now you're putting out fires in the chancery. I understand. Yeah. The forest ranger didn't really work out, but I went two weeks after graduation. I found myself in boot camp for the United States Navy. The career path that I chose was as a heavy equipment operator. So I did that for about 11 years. I'm a 22-year veteran of the United States Navy. For the first half, 11 years, I did as a heavy equipment operator traveling the world, pushing sand in any beachside that you could imagine, <laughs> bulldozer on a barge <laughs> kind of stuff. And then when I got stationed in Peekskill, New York for a reserve battalion, so I was the active duty advisor for equipment specialist for a reserve battalion, I stumbled upon this correspondence called Navy Equal Opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I was so impressed with it that I researched and they actually have a specialty that I converted to called a Navy Equal Opportunity Program Specialist. That's very different from being a CB, <laughs> I think, right? It was extremely different from being a CB. But, uh, you know, I think there's you know, when, when we talk about understanding, not even understanding where God's leading you in your life, it was one of those things that I just couldn't shake. And so I researched it, got accepted into it, the program. And that's how I ended up in Florida the first time at Patrick Air Force Base, because that's where the, the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute is housed. Mm -hmm. So I, I was trained. And during that training was when I reappropriated my faith. I had walked away for a very long time for a number of reasons, most of it family. I think a lot of it was really not understanding my faith. So this was an eye-opener. This was one of those things that I call a significant emotional event where I had a complete identity crisis. So I went from my screen name of Joe CB back to figuring out who Joe Gassman was. It was so eye-opening as I went through and I learned about human relations, not just resource management, but who are we as human beings, and then manage to reconnect it with my faith. Well, I think that's a, a, a great segue into understanding, as you said, to know who you are, and then to 
really help other people understand who they were in, right. in the eyes of God. So, so I'm so glad you have agreed to be on this first episode of Deacon's Den, and not just because you signed my paycheck. Um, so let's dive right into today's menu and, and start by talking about how the permanent diaconate reached this moment in time. So for the first question, I'd like to focus on just where the whole diaconate came from. You know, growing up as a child in the church in the 1960s, I don't recall ever hearing about deacons until this one day when I was an altar server. And this guy came into the sacristy before mass, who I thought was a visiting priest. But the next thing I know, he's hugging his grandson. And that really freaked me out because I thought, <laughs> what kind of priest do we have in the church now, post-Vatican II? It was probably about 1969, 1970. Well, it turns out he was the first deacon I ever saw, first deacon I ever met. So what's the story? Where did deacons come from? I think they came from an egg. No. <laughs> <laughs> A dinosaur egg, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> no. It really goes back to Acts 6, where the church was growing, and the apostles were trying to stay focused on Scripture and understanding Scripture and preaching the Scripture to the people to the point where they could no longer serve at table. They could no longer do those ministries of service. And so they told the people, pick seven men, seven men filled with the Spirit, and they'll take care of the corporal needs of the community while we focus on prayer and petitions for the community. And so it obviously evolved from that point forward. It evolved this way, that way, and all other ways. <laughs> well, I remember hearing stories that, that uh, deacons early on, even some deacons became, they became bishops, yeah. and even some became popes. So that's yeah. not like the church today. No. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about some of the first deacons, you know, Stephen being one of the first ones, he's more known for his eloquent speaking and right. preaching of the gospel. It wasn't really the service. I mean, he runs up on the eunuch and baptizes them and you know, it's through his words. And I mean, he he was the first martyr because right. of his words, not because of anything he was doing in the community. We really don't know a lot. We just know that he was one heck of a preacher and it got him killed. <laughs> that normally happens in the other direction these days. If you're a bad preacher, you're afraid they're going to kill you. Yeah, there have been, there've been great deacons, obviously. Yes. St. Lawrence was another one. I, I love his story. I, I love his story because he, he epitomizes the relationship between the bishop and and the deacon. When his bishop, Sixtus II, was martyred, he was traumatized by it. I mean, he was very depressed about it. He wanted to die with his bishop, but it wasn't his time. But this is where you really get to see and understand the role of the diaconate in service of the people and taking care of the people. Because he was the one that, when the emperor said, bring me the treasures of the church, because I know you were an administrator of the treasures. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's another role that deacons historically played as administrators. But Lawrence brought him all the poor. He disposed of all the riches mm -hmm. that in the eyes of the secular world or the emperor's mind and gave it to the poor. And then he gathered all the poor and said, this is the treasure of the church. And that got him cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the great story. I, I have a friend, Father uh, Larry, who's out in Colorado Springs. He loves the story of, of St. Lawrence saying, could you turn me over? Yeah. I'm done on this I'm side. I'm done on this yeah, side. Please exactly. turn me over. So uh, it sounds like what deacons say always tend to get them in trouble. I hope that doesn't happen from this podcast. Um, 
Of course, uh, you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, St. Francis, you know, he was right. definitely the yeah. countercultural figure who a lot of people don't know that he was a deacon as well, too. Right. And, and, and again, if you look at what his charism was, it was taking care of the poor. Exactly. Exactly. It was care for creation, care for the poor. And he lived that poor life. He lived it in the world. It wasn't one of those things where I went to the church or I, I stayed in this beautiful house. It was he went out to be with the people. And I think that's where Pope Francis is really trying to take us back to, is that we were ordained to be with the people. Yeah, it's no surprise that the Pope took Francis as his, as his name. So tell me, if deacons fulfilled such an important role in the early church, why did they go away? What happened? You know, historically, th there were times when, you know, there were abundance of priests. They were all over. And, and some of them, like Francis of Assisi and Ignatius of Loyola, they, they started movements where they were going to be with the people. Mm -hmm. And so the ordered priests really started taking on the functions. There, there were also priests, so many priests that you could say, okay, you're the shepherd, you're going to do the spiritual stuff, you're going to be the administrator. Pretty much how we got it set up in Rome right now. There's a lot of administrators <laughs> taking care of the business of the church. The diaconate never left. It just became a transitional place on the way to priesthood. Right. And I think that's very important. You know, uh, People have asked me before, why do we have two different types of deacons? But your answer really underscores the fact that there's only one kind of deacon. Right. Some pass through the diaconal order, but they never stop being deacons. Some of my favorite priests tell me, once a deacon, always, always a deacon. Some of my favorite bishops have said that. I am a deacon at heart because my heart is with the people. And when you really look at the fullness of the bishop's ministry, it is shepherd of the people, taking care of, and, and he uses his pastors, his priest, as those hands, that hand, but he also uses the deacons as the hand to, of charity into the community. That's very well said. I like that. So we know, obviously, the deacons came back, or we wouldn't be having this podcast today. Right. We'd have to call it something else, I guess. <laughs> so what was the catalyst for the renewal of the Order of Deacons? You know, the story that I really gravitated to as I understood the resurgence of and the conversation when it was really started to take serious with Vatican II was that at, in the concentration camps, when they started separating the priests who were the stronghold where people looked up to, separated them and, and housing them separately, there was a void. And I think the major argument was, how do we fill that void when our priests can't do it? And therefore, you know, deacons, the yeah. servants of the people. It was actually the priests in the concentration camps that started to have those conversations. It, right. wasn't, it wasn't a revolution of, of lay people yeah. saying, let's be deacons. It was the priests who said, here's the need. Right. How do we fill the need when we're not able to do it? Now, I think that's a, a fantastic story. Was it in Germany, I think it was, where the deacons circles started? Right, the deacon circle started, and it really was coming off of Ignatius of Loyola, who really started the Society of Jesus. And so the title Christian kind of evolved and just popped out of Scripture when people started saying, well, those Christians. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now you've got people saying, well, you, you have these servants, godly men that are serving. We call them deacons, diakonos. Diakonos, which is the meaning of the word. Yes. Exactly, as servants. So. Obviously, Second Vatican Council came around. The proposal was made for the formal restoration. Right. Um, and 1967. Boom. Boom. It starts. 
Yeah. It, it start. Pope Paul VI, mic drop. We now have deacons again. Yes. Okay. And we've been evolving the theology of the diaconate ever since. <laughs> and and that's true. So the modern diaconate is only just over 50 years old now. I, I believe you went to the 50th anniversary. I went to the Congress, yes. Uh, the Congress in, in... Deacon Congress in New Orleans, which marked the 50th anniversary of the restoration of the permanent diaconate. Sounds like a real party, especially in New Orleans. I'd... Oh, it, it was it was interesting. I'm sorry I missed that one. <laughs> we had a few deacons go down to <laughs> try to <laughs> evangelize. Down to Bourbon Street. There you go. I like it. French Quarter Evangelization. Uh, I'll sign up for that next uh, Congress. Um, but, but 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 fifty years really, in terms of the Roman Catholic Church, that's a, a pretty short time frame. And right. and I like what you said. We're still evolving the theology and the understanding of the diaconate. So, could you talk a little bit about who then the deacon is today? You know, I haven't heard any deacons being elevated to popes lately. That doesn't seem to be a career track. Mm-hmm. So, what is the ministry of the modern deacon? You know, it really depends on who you ask. But I think really. When we look at the deacon of his ministry of word, liturgy, and charity, there's a heavy emphasis on the charity. Because at least in the Diocese of Orlando, we're looking for men that are still in the workforce. So if, if, we're, if deacon is called to live it in the world, live his ministry, live the gospel message, bring the good news to the people, not just the people we not agree just the with people in the pews, in, in the yeah. pews mm-hmm. you know, although there's a piece that needs to be there, the truth needs to be told, but it's the people that are walking around aimlessly trying to make it do and get by in life that we really want to introduce the gospel message of hope, love, and mercy. And you're right in that the theology is not consistently understood. <laughs> right. For most Catholics, they only see the deacon on Sunday. They see him for an right. hour at Mass. There's that mini priest up there. He's wearing vestments. He's doing some things in the in the sanctuary. So that's the deacon. But you're leading us to something very differently right. here. You're saying, no, the, the charity is really the cornerstone of this ministry. Living that in, in the world is the cornerstone of it. We have our responsibility and a role, and it's a very distinct role when it comes to our liturgical roles in the church. It's very important that we understand scriptures and that we become the bridge between the secular and the sacred. And when we teach and catechize, because you'll see them as religious education teachers, you'll see them as walking with people in marriage prep, those kind of ministries of the word. But when you start going out and serving the soup kitchen, the Habitat for Humanities, the prison ministries, and again, I still say it's very important just living it in your everyday life. When you go to work and you can resist the temptations that the world says, this is how to get ahead in the world. And it's no, you get ahead in this world, bring the kingdom of God to reality when you live the gospel value and you resist those temptations. Exactly. It was described to me when I was in formation and my formator said, if you are not living the gospel message during the week, You shouldn't be preaching the gospel message on Sunday. If you're not feeding the body of Christ during the week, you should not be distributing the sacred body at the liturgy. That is a beautiful thought because a lot of times when I preach, as I prepare my homilies, I'm preaching as much to myself as I wrestle with my sins, as I wrestle with my decisions that I have to make within the world, some of them very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to the person out there that might need to hear it. The old adage, listen to what a preacher preaches, 
He is preaching to himself. That's what he has to work on. So there's been a dramatic growth in the order of deacons. Do you know what the numbers are now in terms of number of deacons in the world or number of deacons in the United States? There's over 18,000 in 2018, 18,000 deacons. I'd love to compare that against the priests because I know that there's a dwindling priesthood. And I actually you know. looked it up, Joe. There's, uh, there's about 36,000 priests. <clears throat> um, and there's an interesting comparison. In 1975, there were over 45,000 priests and only 1,000 deacons. Now right. there's 36,000 priests and 18,000 deacons. There's another powerful message within the diaconate because I believe it's well over 90% of deacons are married men. And so you have that image now of not just living the gospel in the world, but also living that marriage sacrament, which is supposed to be the image of and pointing to the love of Christ for his church. So if we live our first vocation well, then, you know, people get an image and they understand what real love is. Exactly. The first sacrament of vocation is our marriage or matrimony. Uh, and secondarily, it's the diaconate. Equally is important, but it cannot supplant or replace right. or put at risk our marriages. Exactly. So we've covered a lot of ground in this first episode, <clears throat> but to wrap up today's podcast, I want to reference back to those numbers we just talked about. And I want to ask you a two-part question, and it represents two sides of the debate on the diaconate. The first question is whether the diaconate is the solution to the pre-shortage in the U.S. and in the world. And conversely, If we just stopped ordaining deacons, wouldn't we see an increase in vocations to the priesthood for men who really wanted to serve the church? Do you see the point that people are saying, you know, we're we're losing focus here. We should be focusing on priestly vocations. How would you respond to that? I would say that the calls are fundamentally different. I could not see myself, even after my wife may precede me in death, that I made a pledge to be in the community. And that's not where... That's not a priestly vocation. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a fundamentally different vocation. I like the fact you said that I had the same thought myself. As every deacon learns, you get to take that permanent <clears throat> vow of celibacy. And I found the same question. People say, well, would you want to be a priest? It's like, no, it's no, a different it's vocation. A, it, you know, priests are in persona Christi capitas. They are the head. We are servants. Persona right. Christi diaconoi. We are the servants of the church. Right. And if I would shift my focus... I just can't see it, me shifting my focus that much. I, I know there's 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 the temptation from some of our brothers to to look at it like that, but the reality is is our ministry is with the people, serving the people, assisting our priests in helping community grow the unity of the community within our parishes. Not necessarily, okay, now that my wife's gone, it's time to move on to the next level. That's right. It really is a, a permanent diaconate. Yes. I think that's a great thought on which to, uh, to end this first segment of our podcast. So, Deacon Joe, I really want to thank you for stopping in today and helping us to understand the important background that provides a foundation for the permanent diaconate in the church today. You have a long history of working construction, as you told <laughs> us. You understand the necessity of a good foundation. So I really want to thank you for laying down a solid foundation for us today. Thank you. So where do we go next? What's on the menu for our next gathering? Well, I've heard that people have a hunger to understand how to become a permanent deacon. Perhaps you're a man who believes that God may be calling you to the diaconate and isn't sure how to discern that call. Maybe you know someone who you believe should discern this calling. Well, the great news is that in November, the Office of the Permanent Diaconate 
will host six discernment nights in parishes throughout the diocese to help you with that process. In our next episode of Deacon's Den, we will serve up as our entree, Am I Called to Be a Deacon? Discerning the Call to the Permanent Diaconate. And Deacon Joe, I'm going to ask you to return as our celebrity chef once again, who will help us get cooking. <laughs> I'll spice it up a little bit. <laughs> I, I expect it to be spicy, Joe. Nothing less from you. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time at the Deacon's Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. So come back on in when you're hungry for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you. <laughs>